0: I feel like we have a long episode. Should we start this shit?
1: Um, probably, but we should probably get a little more like happy. It's our hundredth episode. Stop being so down in the dub sounding.
0: (laughs) Don't fucking tell me what to be happy about, ma'am.
1: Fine. Let's not even fucking record. Let's just not even do it. Fuck it. Let's not be happy. That's it. We're we're done. We're done. You're moving. Whatever. All right
0: episode 100 doo, 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 doo. that's more than 99 you're right it is <laughs> <laughs> i just realized that it's happy pie day by the way
1: mm-hmm. happy pie
0: day i'm gonna go get a frozen apple pie because i want it oh cool i want apple pie
2: go fuck go you for you Don't homie. me.
1: You're very aggressive this morning
0: this morning i'm always aggressive i just look like i've been sitting in a wet dumpster and then set on fire
1: i don't know if i'd say that but that might be a little dramatic now my legs yeah. are cold yeah that looks better now
0: my, this is how we're recording and now my legs are cold in your blanket burrito with your donut blanket my donut blanket in a burrito i look so cute like this where my whole body is covered you can just see my nose because that's the only cute part of my body i love this this is the best conversation
1: (laughs) this is so fun for me i'm glad we went to this positive space (laughs) just what i needed when i woke up
0: (laughs) sorry i've been up for hours (laughs)
1: I have not. I should have been. We were gonna go to the gym, and then the alarm went off, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm it's not. only been like four hours since we went to sleep. I can't."
0: We were gonna go to the gym, and then the alarm went off, and I was like, "I'm
1: not. I'm not." I was like, "How do you feel about going to the gym in the afternoon?
0: <laughs> How
1: do you feel about just not today?" Uh, I missed yesterday, so I gotta go today because um, I miss while I'm in town. So, uh, well. Any- who's her what's her
0: who knew we'd get to 100 episodes That's a
1: lot of episodes that is that is um do we have any fun announcements at all or? um
0: well i'd just like to take a minute to address the haters mm.
1: <laughs> yes let's focus on the negative perfect well i just
0: we got two negative comments and let's just say fuck you that's all i'm gonna say In the words of the late great Eminem, "If you don't like my shit, then you can suck my dick."
1: Here's (laughs) here's my thought. We live somewhere in your brain if you felt the need to comment on our review. So whatever, it's fine with me. Um, I mean, just two things, real quick, just off the top.
0: One of the comments was, "They're clearly reading something." I'm sorry. Have you listened to this podcast? We both have squirrel brains. If we don't fucking write it down and read from it, this would be a seven-hour podcast about
1: nothing. Yeah. Well, and that, for me, it's like, I, I'm sorry, am I supposed to memorize something every single week when I work a full-time job plus two side jobs and do this? Yeah. No. It's not going to happen. I am lucky that I get my four or five hours of research in throughout the week. Right. Right.
0: And then the other person was like, it's a something podcast about people who clearly think they're funny. Yeah, we do. That's why well, we're doing a podcast.
1: Right. Well, that's... <laughs> I mean... Kind of the part. the
0: We play. Fuck you.
1: Also, in my mind like i'm doing this to like hang out with you every week and we have a reason to look up true crime stuff like and discuss uh, ain't nobody making you listen so but then there was
0: another just to cancel that fucking conversation there was someone else who was really exciting they gave us five stars and they said i love it ladies i need a spooky things need sexy time too on a shirt did we say that
1: there's so many things we say, and I don't even remember.
0: Did we say that? Because if not, I mean, we could still put it on a shirt, but... That's
1: if we did, gold. yeah.
0: That's gold if we said that. <laughs> Fuck yeah.
1: I could see that in one of our, like, October episodes.
0: Yeah, I, we might have. I don't know. Well, I'm just going to claim it. Fuck that. We said it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, what did you do this week?
1: Uh I worked and worked and worked. Um and then worked some more? Yeah. So my Mary Kay business is kind of taking up off taking up off the ground, taking off of the ta- I it's doing well. And so um <laughs> <laughs> talking's not going well,
0: but the rest no. The-
1: <laughs> no, and now that I'm working like the three eleven hour days or so, it's just it's been busy. I've been busy. It's been a lot. So it was a great week to not have to worry about researching, since I had researched this like three weeks ago. Because yeah. I found it, I was like, "Ooh, I need to know this. I need this." Thank you. In and around my life. Um. What about you? How's you? Um,
0: how's you? Well, I worked, and then what? What? And then I worked.
2: Oh, and then really?
0: I worked. Oh, good. Good. Um. Yesterday I worked, and then. <laughs>
1: This is, we're like, you know, you hit that like, ha, 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 ha. Now we're like moving past it to the like, did you, did you you, work? Did you
2: fucking work? (laughs) Um,
0: And then I came home and I cleaned my whole room out and packed all my shit up and painted all the trim in my room. And then I painted my closet this morning at 3 a.m. And yesterday my dad gave me a sledgehammer to break up my closet and then got mad at me when I put a hole in the wall. well. And I and he was like he all he was all pissy about it and I went, Tom, you gave me the sledgehammer. Who's the dumbass in this situation? <laughs> it's like, and I'm like, not only did you give it to me, but you set me downstairs by myself and just let me go to town without any instructions. You're lucky the house is still standing. <laughs> It's well, like, well, we had
1: to paint anyway, so I fixed it. It's fine. I fixed it. I feel we had a uh, mutual responsibility when it comes to this mistake. <laughs> okay. <laughs> For the record, I was unattended. <laughs>
0: <laughs> gave me a sledgehammer and then left me unattended. What you're, do you think was going to fucking happen? You're 32
1: years old, Christina.
0: It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You should matter. know that
1: putting a hole in the... Sheetrock is not what you're supposed to be doing when you're busting out the.
0: I didn't fucking do it on purpose.
1: Sure, you didn't. I
0: Whatever. just went with like a fucking Thor swing just... and it ricocheted off the well bit, well you're... built dresser and just kind of bounced into the wall.
1: Here's the thing you're lying because I know you would I just kind of want to do this. No, I did a paint anyway because that was your response. <laughs> I
0: did not know literally because what happened was I was like sw- like baseball swinging the sledgehammer into this dresser and it was not coming apart. I and I was say getting your
1: graceful fashion.
0: I know more and more aggressive <laughs> with it. And then all of a sudden it went thunk, boom. And I went, it was like dead silence and went, oops. And then my dad's over here. He had finally come downstairs and was doing solitaire and he went, You put a hole in the wall, didn't you? <laughs> I went, yes it ricocheted and, I couldn't help it and then he's like I can't even th- blah, 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 and he's going off and off and I'm like listen I'm not here for your nonsense okay we'll fix it
1: it's fixable just relax man it's fine
0: it's in the closet nobody cares it's fine <laughs> All right, we got a long ass episode. Should I? Yeah, we
1: do. Now we just bullshit for another like ten minutes. Uh, tell me your story okay. for this one hundredth episode. The great one hundred episodes. That's what it's called? No. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, no,
0: no, it's not. All right, I'm gonna talk <laughs> about Jeffrey Robert McDonald. Okay. You ever you? Does that sound familiar at all? You know I'm terrible with names. You are. You're stupid.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm terrible with names. I'm good with stories. As soon as I hear something, I'm like, wait, no, I do know this, and this is what happens, but I never catch a name.
0: This is the most heavily litigated case in America. Okay. Which is why it was originally like 20 pages, and then I got it down to like 15, and then I got it down to like 10, because finally I was like, no one cares about all this court bullshit. I'm just going to sum it
1: up. Yeah, there's been a couple Cut cases like that that I've done too where I'm just like, I'm gonna just like speed past this court proceeding stuff because we'll get it in. wasn't it wasn't juicy, so it's like, what's the point? It's just redundant at that yes. point.
0: So um I talk about the first trial because it's all the same evidence and then I just sum up the rest of the shit. So All right. Um Jeffrey Robert McDonald, he was born in Jamaica, Jamaica Queens, New York. He was the second of three children born to Robert and Dorothy McDonald, raised in a poor household on Long Island. Long Island. (laughs) His father was described as a strict disciplinarian, but was not violent towards his wife or children. He just demanded obedience and achievement from his
1: family. Okay. So he was like a tiger mom, dad.
0: Yeah. Uh, He was uh, Jeffrey McDonald was, he was, Voted most popular and most likely to succeed by his fellow students in high school and was king of the senior prom. His high school grades allowed him to earn a three-year scholarship to Princeton University, where he enrolled as a pre-med student in 1962. It was during this time that he reignited his high school romance with his ex-girlfriend, Colette Stevenson. Okay. So the two regularly exchanged letters and he would frequently hitchhike to Skidmore College to visit her on weekends, even though McDonald was known to fucking lay pipe all over town. Oh, he was a bit of a fuck boy, huh? Oh, he was a ho faux show. Mm. Uh, when he learned Colette was pregnant, he asked her to marry him in August of 1963, and she agreed and dropped out of college. Fuck the patriarchy, am I right? <laughs> Just expecting her. Yeah, it was like expected that she drop out of college and not do anything. <sighs> yeah. So, when, when was this? 1963.
1: Okay. Yep.
0: So the two married. Checks on,
1: out. Checks out. <laughs> checks
0: out. Uh, the two married on September 14th. 100 people attended the service with the reception held at the Fifth Avenue Hotel. The couple then honeymooned in Cape Cod and had their first daughter, Kimberly Catherine, in April of 1964. So McDonald completed his degree at Princeton and then briefly worked as a construction supervisor. And then he moved his family to Chicago to, because he was accepted at a Northwestern university for medical school. Okay. Makes sense. So they moved into a small one bedroom apartment with uh, basically Colette maintaining the household and raising their daughter. And that was all she did. Mm -hmm. McDonald focused on going to school and he worked a series of part-time jobs to assist with his finances And then they relocated to like a middle-class neighborhood and had their second child, Kristen Jean, in May of
2: 18
0: or 1967. Okay. So like right after McDonald graduated from medical school, he and his family relocated to Bergenfield, New Jersey, and he completed a one-year internship at the Columbia, Presbyterian medical school or center. I'm sorry, in New York, he specialized in thoracic surgery. And then, Upon his completion of his internship, he joined the Army.
1: Okay, so now he's military ing.
0: Yes. So in September, McDonald was assigned to the 3rd Special Forces Group as a group surgeon at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. He and his family resided at uh, the house there in Castle Dr- it was on Castle Drive Street in a section of the base reserved for married officers and afforded security by military police. they quickly became popular members of the Mm. among their neighbors although they were both occasionally known to like fight quite heavily and loudly
1: oh so their relationship was a little volatile
0: yes but during it was said that during like this time at fort bragg it was like the best the relationship had ever been they were like content and happy but they but they still would
2: loud scream in matches yes (laughs)
0: During this time, Colette had been, like, this whole time, she'd been studying for two years in the hopes of finally applying for a bachelor's degree in English literature so that she could teach part-time. Uh, shortly before Christmas of 1969, Colette was approximately three months pregnant with her third child and first son, and McDonald bought his daughters a Shetland pony, anticipating the family would soon re- relocate to a farm in Connecticut. Okay. Around this time, Colette wrote a letter to a college friend where she described her life as never being so normal or happy, adding she and her husband were content that their baby son was due to be born in July and her family would be complete. By 1970, McDonald had earned the rank of captain. He was planning to study advanced medical training at Yale University upon completion of his tour of duty as a Green Beret doctor. Tour of dirty? (laughs) (laughs) Duty. Uh, Duty. (laughs) This is where it gets... It's about to get real dark.
1: So I'm trying to get my giggles in now while
0: we're talking about duty. Like, real dark. Like, strap in. Right now. Okay. okay. So, at 3.42 a.m. on February 17th, 1970, dispatchers at Fort Bragg received an emergency phone call from McDonald. He sa- All he said, and it was said that he said it, like, almost quietly into the phone, Help, 544 Castle Drive, stabbing. 544 Castle Drive, stabbing. Hurry. Then the operator heard the sound of the receiver clatter against a wall or floor. Okay. Within 10 minutes, responding mil- military police had arrived at the address. They believed that they were responding to a domestic disturbance, but they found the front door closed and locked and the house dark inside. When no one answered the door, they circled to the back of the house, where a sergeant, sergeant discovered the back screen door closed and unlocked and the back door wide open. Upon entering, the sergeant walked into the master bedroom before turning to the front of the house, shouting, Tell them to get Walmart, which was like the hospital on base. So it was telling okay. them to get medical staff ASAP. So, okay. Colette McDonald was discovered. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> Colette McDonald was discovered sprawled on the floor of the master bedroom. She lay on her back with one eye open and one breast exposed. She had been repeatedly clubbed about her body, with both her forearms later found to have been broken. The pathologist would note that these wounds had likely been inflicted as Colette has raised her arms to protect her face.
1: Her her forearms were broken from Mm -hmm. getting beat by this club or whatever, the implement that he... Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, we'll get that. was... Okay. In addition,
0: she had been stabbed 21 times in the chest with an ice pick and 16 times about the neck and chest with a knife. With her trachea severed in two places. A bloodied and torn pajama top was draped upon her chest and a paring knife lay beside her body. Beside her, Jeffrey McDonald was found lying face down, alive but wounded with his head on Colette's chest and one arm around her neck. As military personnel approached, he whispered, Check my kids. I heard my kids crying.
1: That's sad. I don't like that.
0: You're not going to like the next parts either. So five-year-old Kimberly, who was described by family as being remarkably ladylike for such a young age and incredibly kind and shy and intelligent, was found in her bed, having been repeatedly bludgeoned about the head and body and stabbed in the neck with a knife between eight and ten times.
1: Ew. Okay. Okay. She
0: lay on her left side, her skull had been fractured from at least two blows to the right side of her head, and one wound to her face had caused her cheekbone to protrude through the skin. Oh my god. The wounds to Kimberly's head were so so severe in nature to have caused bruising to her brain, coma, and death, like soon after her infliction. And across the hallway, two-year-old Kristen, described as a boisterous tomboy who would run over and crack someone if she observed her older sister being bullied by other children, was found in her own bed, also lying on her left side with a baby bottle close to her mouth. She had been stabbed 33 times across the chest, neck, and hands and back with a knife and 15 times with an ice pick.
1: Is there space for that many times on such a small being? She was basically shredded. Oh my god.
0: Uh, Two knife wounds had penetrated her heart, basically killing her instantly. And the ice pick wounds were noted to be shallow. The injuries to her hands were likely defensive wounds. Oh my god. On the headboard of the McDonald's bed, the word pig was written in 8-inch capital letters. The blood used to write this was later determined to be Colette's.
1: I'm like crying. That's so sad. I know. I
0: was like, when I wrote this, I was like, this is horrific.
1: That poor baby. That poor baby. I know. I can't. Okay. I'm gathering myself. I'm good.
0: I'm sorry. So they were taken to the Womack Medical Center. Medical staff discovered. Okay. So. Sorry, I skipped a part. Oh, no, you're fine. So, at, this was kind of weird. So, the line, what all the information said was that he received, McDonald received impromptu resuscitation. So, I don't know if he like passed out or what, but after pa- he. They woke him back up, and he sat upright, then exclaimed, Jesus Christ, look at my wife. I'm going to kill those goddamn acid heads. He was immediately taken to nearby Womack Hospital, shouting, let me see my kids, as he was carried out of his home on a stretcher. They actually had to, I think, um, subdue him. Um, And then he was taken to the Womack Army Medical Center. Medical staff discovered the wounds McDonald had suffered were much less numerous and severe as those inflicted upon his wife and children. He had suffered cuts, bruises, and fingernail scratches to his face and chest, although none of these wounds were life-threatening or required stitches. He was also found to have had a mild concussion. He had also received a single stab wound between two ribs to his right side that had deflated a lung, but the surgeon on staff de- described the cut as clean, small, and sharp, measuring eight five-eighths of an inch in depth that had
1: caused the lung to partially collapse. As if someone who knows something about anatomy may have tried to make it look... Oh, oh, bitch. Okay.
0: McDonald was released from the hospital after nine days. Okay. So now we're going to back up. And this is Jeffrey's McDonald's account of what happened.
1: Yeah, sure, Jeffrey. All right. Amanda's pissed. I'm annoyed now. As soon as you said that, I was like... Fucking bitch. guy going to medical school, he bitch. Fucking, <laughs> so like scratches on his face and chest, like defensive wounds when he was stabbing his young babies and wife. Okay, cool, great, all right. Fuck, she's you got guy. her.
0: She's got her arms crossed and she's sitting back. She's mad. <laughs> I just want. I just want to hear his story. I just want to give him a chance. Okay, this is his story. I go back and forth on this. There's some parts that are okay. So on the afternoon of february 16th mcdonald said he took his daughters to feed and ride the pony he had bought them for christmas they then returned home at about 5:45 p.m he showered and changed into an old pair of blue pajamas after the family ate supper colette left the house to attend an evening teaching class at fort braggs north carolina university extension according to mcdonald he then played horsey allowing his daughters to ride on his back as if they were a shetland pony for a short while before he put Kristen in- to bed at approximately 7, and Kimberly played a game on the coffee table until about 8 or 9, where he put them to bed.
1: Well, that's fucking sweet.
0: Uh, she went to bed. He put them to Okay, I'm sorry. Let me back up. He said he slept for an hour before watching Kimberly's favorite television show with her before his older daughter also went to bed. So she was, like, playing on the table. He took a nap on the couch, and then they watched her favorite show, and he put her to bed. Okay. Colette herself returned home at about 9.40 p.m. The two had sat on the couch watching television together before Colette decided to go to bed about midway through The Tonight Show. McDonald claimed that at about 2 a.m. on February 17th, he woke up and had washed the evening's dinner dishes before deciding to go to bed, although because his younger daughter Kristen had wet his side of the bed, so she had gotten up at some Mm. point and laid in her bed, he had taken her to her own bed and not wishing to wake his wife to change the sheets he had taken a blanket from kristen's room and went back to sleep on the living room couch okay he claims he was then awakened by colette and kimberly's screams and colette shouting jeff jeff help why are they doing this to me as he rose from the couch to go to their aid he was attacked by three male intruders one black and two white The shorter of the two white men had worn lightweight, possibly surgical gloves. A fourth intruder was described as a white female with a long blonde hair, possibly a wig, and wearing high-heeled knee-high boots, and a white floppy hat partially covering her face.
1: Doesn't seem much like a heisty kind of outfit, but
2: all right.
0: This individual stood nearby holding a lighted candle, chanting, acid is groovy, kill the pigs. This seems a little
1: fanciful, but okay. Acid is groovy, if you will. Well, and he's like, what sounds like the most acid trippy thing? People breaking in with high heels and a floppy hat—that sounds pretty acid trippy. (laughs) Let's let's just say that. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jeff. I'm trying to give you a fair shake.
0: I don't think you are.
1: No, I'm not, because (laughs) the husband always fucking did it.
0: Sorry. So. McDonald claimed the three males then attacked him with a club and an ice pick, with the female intruder shouting, hit him again. During the struggle, his pajama top was pulled over his head to his wrists, and he had to use this bound garment. He had used the bound garment to warn off his the thrust from the ice pick. Although, eventually, he was overcome by his assailants and knocked unconscious in the living room, end of the hallway, leading to the bedrooms. So, so far... That actually would account for why some of the cuts he received were not as shallow and he had more bruises and a concussion, but not any, like, stab wounds.
1: Right. And if, if these intruders were high on PCP or whatever, um, they probably would have been like, he's dead because he got knocked out and he was not moving. So, unresponsive. So, okay. 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 All right. I mean, I still don't understand the high heels and floppy hat. I feel like that's something that... We'll get were... into it. We'll get Barefoot in. sounds more PCP, I'm just saying. <laughs> we'll get into it. Okay.
0: <laughs> when he had regained consciousness, the intruders had left the house. He had then stumbled from room to room, attempting to mouth-to-mouth resuscitation on each of his daughters to no avail before discovering his wife. He'd pulled a small paring knife from Colette's chest, which he then tossed onto the floor, attempted in vain to find her pulse, then draped his pajama jacket over her body, then phoned for help.
1: Okay, but didn't he say that he heard his daughters screaming that they needed to go check on them? Not that he actually saw them hurt. When that's they came. how he woke up. Yeah,
0: but yes, yes. yes so that's that's correct.
1: there's a there is a difference in stories here. But I'm ready. Okay.
0: You're right. You're right. There is all right. <laughs> so within minutes of the discovery of Castle Drive, military police were destructed, destructed instructed to check the occupants of all the vehicles in and around Fort Bragg seeking two white men, one black man and a white woman with blonde hair and a floppy hat in an effort to apprehend the four intruders McDonald alleged had attacked him and his family. Despite these efforts, military police failed to locate any one resembling that description and the initiative was abandoned around like 6 a.m. Shortly after daylight on February 17th, Investigators recovered the murder weapons just outside the back door. These instruments were an old hickory kitchen knife, an ice pick, and a 31-inch long piece of lumber with two blue threads attached with blood. All three were pr- quickly determined to have come from the McDonald house and had all been wiped clean of fingerprints. McDonald later claimed to have never seen these items before.
1: But they... Okay... Mm-hmm. I'm confused then. Yep.
0: So his story was quickly cast in doubt, obviously, as Army investigators studied the physical evidence. They quickly came to disbelieve McDonald's account, and they found very little evidence to support his version of events. Although McDonald was trained in unarmed combat, the living room where he had supposedly fought for his life against three armed assailants showed very few signs of a struggle apart from a coffee table that had been knocked onto its side with a pile of magazines beneath the edge and a flower pot had that had fallen to the floor.
1: Which could go either way. I feel mm-hmm. like if they knocked him out right away after the, like, small struggle in the one space, it's not going to be, like, destroyed in the room, but, but I get it. I get. I get what you're saying. So
0: when the neighbors were questioned, it was revealed that they had heard no sounds of a struggle or disturbance within the household in the early hours, but they had heard Colette shouting in a loud and angry voice.
1: Loud and angry, not scared. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool.
0: By February 23rd, they had informed the FBI to discontinue their search for the intruders because they didn't think that it happened. Okay. So in addition to the lack of damage on the inside of the house, no fibers from McDonald's torn pajama top were found in the living room where he claimed the garment had been torn in his struggle with the intruders. However, fibers from the pajama top were found beneath Colette's body in the bedroom on, of both of, and in the bedroom of both of his daughters. And one fiber from his garment was also found under Kristen's fingernail. Okay. A single fragment of skin was recovered from beneath one of Colette's fingernails, although that evidence was later lost.
1: I hate that. I hate when it's like, oh, they lost evidence. How do you fucking lose evidence? Mm-hmm. Bloodstained splinters,
0: likely sourcing from the section of lumber recovered close to the back door of the apartment, were recovered from all three bedrooms of the apartment, but not from the room where McDonald claimed to have been attacked. No blood or fingerprints were found on either telephone McDonald claimed he had used a call for help after checking each member of his family and attempting to resuscitate them. So he should have been covered in blood.
1: Right. He sh- he should have been covered in blood. There should have been blood anywhere he went. There should have been fingerprints everywhere he went because of the blood and mm-hmm. things that and fluids and whatnot that he would be Okay.
0: Furthermore, the bloodstained tip of a surgical glove was also found beneath the headboard where the blood inscription was written. This glove was indicated in composite or er, was identical in composition to the medical supply McDonald kept in the family home.
1: Jeffrey, I'm not giving you a fair shake no more. I'm sorry.
0: So, although it had rained on the night of February 16th into the 17th, and McDonald's also specifically claimed the female intruder's boots were all wet with rainwater just dripping off of them, the sole footprint that was found on the crime scene was a bloody footprint located in Kristen's bedroom, leading from the child's bed in the direction of the doorway. There was no... shoe prints of muddy or wet high heels high
1: heels or anything Um, (laughs) is it possibly jeffrey's size Mm. which is weird since he didn't have blood on the rest of him so he literally just went in there and did something (laughs) huh okay i'm sorry jeffrey you are not winning this at all i can i can forgive some of the like mm, changes in your story just because he was If it's true, he was knocked in the head, which tends to, like, Mm -hmm. throw things off. So until he, like, got his memory jogged, I can understand. Like, maybe you didn't remember details, but bitch. Right.
0: So by mid-March, the CID had obtained the results of the forensic testing of the blood, hair, and fiber samples that contradicted McDonald's accounts of his movements and further convinced investigators of his guilt. For example, Kimberly's blood was also found on his pajama top, even though McDonald had claimed he was not wearing the garment while in their room, attempting to resuscitate. McDonald's own blood was located in insignificant quantities in only two locations, in front of the kitchen cabinet containing rubber gloves and upon the right side of the hallway bathroom
1: sink. Oh, so so it's like he did it to where he would contain his... Stupid. All
2: right.
0: All right. Investigators also questioned why Colette's Colette's blood was found in Kristen's room. Although all three victims were found in separate rooms, suggesting they had been attacked separately. Moreover, although blood evidence indicated Kimberly had been attacked as she entered the master bedroom because there was Kimberly's blood in the master bedroom, investigators questioned why home intruders would bother to carry her back to her bedroom to continue their attack.
1: So it's like Colette went to see what all the ruckus was, got attacked there. He chased her down into the bedroom, finished her off. The other daughter woke up and came in.
0: started in the bedroom and Kimberly was already in the bedroom because she was the one who wet the bed.
1: Uh, Yeah. Fuck. Okay.
0: All four members of the McDonald family had different blood types, which is a statistical anomaly. So they were able to clearly identify... Uh whose blood was where even at in the 70s yes that's wow um upon the assumption the four individuals discovered by responding military police were only the only four people in the house in the early hours of february 17 the investigators were able to reconstruct a likely scenario of the chain of events that had unfolded via the blood typing and the nature and severity of the wounds discovered upon each individual so are you ready for what they believe happened?
1: I am, because I feel like we're gonna we're gonna have the same idea of things.
0: So they believe that an argument or a fight between McDonald and Colette began in the master bedroom, possibly over the issue of Kristen. Oh, it was Kristen, sorry. Of or maybe it was Kimberly. Kristen's, no, it was Kristen's repeatedly wetting his side of the bed while sleeping there. Or his maybe it was his adultery that they later determined he had was mm-hmm. um. Investigators speculated that the argument turned physical and she had probably hit him on the forehead with a hairbrush, which resulted in the mark on his forehead and possible slight concussion. Concussion. Uh, As he retaliated by hitting her first with his fists and then beating her with a piece of lumber that he had pulled from the closet, Kimberly, whose blood and brain matter were found in the doorway May have walked in after hearing the commotion and was struck at least once on the head, possibly by accident. So if he was swinging all willy-nilly. Yeah. And he nailed her, and that, because he, remember I had said that that can cut the way that she got hit was like, uh-huh. it, was, it was probably going to die very instantly almost. Right. Believing well, Colette dead, they think that. McDonald carried the mortally wounded Kimberly back to her bedroom Mm -hmm. after stabbing her McDonald then proceeded to Kristen's room, carrying the club he had used to bludgeon Kimberly intent on disposing of the last remaining potential witness. So then it was like he killed Colette. Then he accidentally killed Kimberly. Now he's got to make it look like a real crime scene. So he doesn't Mm -hmm. get it is what they're thinking happened. But before he could do so, Colette whose blood was found on Kristen's bed covers and on one wall of her room apparently regained consciousness and stumbled into her younger daughter's room and threw her own body over Kristen uh-huh. in a desperate effort to protect her. After killing both McDonald after killing them both McDonald then wrapped Colette's body in a sheet carried her body to the master bedroom leaving a smudge footprint matching the blood type as he exited Kristen's bedroom. Yep. Investigators then theorized that McDonald attempted to cover up the murder using articles on the Manson family murders that he had recently read in the March 1970 issue of Esquire, investigators found on the living room floor. Yep. Putting on surgical gloves from a medical supply in the kitchen closet, he went to the master bedroom where he used Colette's blood to write the word pig on Kimberly's headboard. McDonald then laid his torn pajama top over her dead body and repeatedly stabbed her in the chest with an ice pick, then discarded the weapons close to the back door of the property after wiping them clean of fingerprints. Finally, they believed McDonald had taken a scalpel blade from the supply closet, entered the adjacent ba- bathroom, and stabbed himself once in the chest... While standing aside the sink before disposing of the surgical gloves, he had then used the family telephone to summon the ambulance before lying beside Colette's body as he waited for the military police to arrive.
1: Yep. Nope. That's pretty, pretty well what I was assuming that at some point the mom came into one of the the bedroom that her blood was found because she was either,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: either already unconscious and woke up or it started with the kids, and so she had to go, like, investigate, protect, and then got in the middle and whatever. So that, yeah, I mean, I feel like that makes a lot of sense. Right.
0: So, on April 6th, 1970, Army investigators formally cautioned, then interrogated McDonald. He was first offered the chance to recount his version of events, so he told that version of the story that I has have already gone over. Mm-hmm. The questions then focused on the crime scene and results of the forensic testing. McDonald denied any of the murder weapons had originated from his house, despite the fact that the section of lumber matched wood from the closet. He also claimed to be unaware of how the fiber and blood evidence contradicted his accounts of the movements and actions. Investigator Robert Shaw... Then questioned McDonald as to the lack of disorder and damage within the house and the lack of any motive, stating that in the investigator's experience, had four intruders embarked on a murderous frenzy within a small household, they would expect to encounter evidence such as busted furniture, broken mirrors, and bashed in walls. But the only sign of struggle were the top-heavy living room coffee table, which had not flipped over all the way in the midst of his struggle in a flower pot beside the t- table, mcdonald was unable to offer any pa- plausible explanation for those observations and claimed to be unaware of how kimberly's blood and brain serum brain matter were recovered from the master bedroom so,
1: so it so it all leads to a different story than he told basically yes.
0: okay so following a short break questioning resumed the same afternoon uh, another investigator listed further physical discrepancies be- be- between mcdonald's account and the forensic evidence repeatedly stating all the facts pointed to his having mcdonald staging the crime mcdonald was unable to offer any explanations um and he said a run out of he ran out of ideas and attempt and oh wait i'm sorry mcdonald was unable to offer any explanations to the questioning and then he basically accused the investigator of having run out of ideas and are attempting to frame him to maintain a 100 percent solved homicide rate on base uh, nobody. The evidence shows this. That's basically what the investigator said back. <laughs> um, he said, we have all these evidence that here that would tend to indicate that you were involved in this rather than the people who came in from the outside. Uh, when investigators asked McDonald to submit to a polygraph test to verify his accounts, he readily agreed. But then once he w- left, he called investigators to state that he had changed his mind and would not submit to a polygraph.
1: Of course.
0: Uh, that evening so april 6 mcdonald was relieved of his duties and placed under restriction pending further inquiries the following day he was appointed an army lawyer and at the recommendation of his mother on april 10th he hired a flamboyant c- c- civilian defense attorney named bernard seagal to defend him okay less than a month later on may 1st the army f- formally charged McDonald with three counts of murder. The same day, McDonald penned a letter to Colette's mother and stepfather-in-law, professing his innocence, emphasizing the army would never admit their error, and speculating his wife's soul may hold infinite patience and understanding of his current legal predicament. At this point, his her family believed him.
1: Well, yeah, you don't want to think that the person that's right. been with your daughter had babies with your daughter is doing this stuff. But also, I th- I'm so sorry. All the evidence is just like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: there's nothing there proving that there was any other person in right. that house. So. so
0: an initial Army Article 32 hearing um, started with McDonald's possible guilt was overseen by Colonel uh, Warren Rock and it convened on July 6th, 1970. It lasted until September. McDonald's lawyer, Bernard Segal, adopted an offensive strategy on behalf of his client at this hearing. He cited numerous examples of incompetence on behalf of the Army uh, investigators, who he stated had clumsily and unprofessionally trampled all over the crime scene during their examination of the house. He listed several examples of incompetence from military police and responding personnel, including testimony revealing an ambulance driver had stolen McDonald's wallet from the living room and a pathologist who testified to having failed to obtain the children's fingerprints for comparison at the crime scene. Uh, The first witness to testify in McDonald's defense was responding military policeman Kenneth Micah, who testified that on the way to answering the McDonald's emergency call on the night of the murders, he observed a blonde woman with a wide-brimmed hat standing on a street corner approximately a half a mile from McDonald's home. He noted this sighting was unusual given the late hour and the weather. Micah also testified that contrary to instruction, an ambulance driver had placed the tilted flower pipe part upright while at the crime scene and had adjusted other things there as well. Okay. In August... Seagull claimed he was approached by a delivery man named William Posey, who claimed the blonde woman McDonald stated had attacked his family, may be a local 17-year-old drug addict and police informant named Helena Worley Stockley. According to Posey, Stockley had been in the company of two or three young males, one of them a black man, in a car parked outside her apartment at approximately 4 a.m. on the morning of the murders. Posey also claimed Stockley had ceased wearing her boots and floppy hat after February 17th. But that was an outfit that she wore
1: quite often. So it was like her staple outfit and then she stopped wearing it after that. Yes. Okay, so there's some evidence pointing at people, questionable people, around the area that match what he said. Correct.
0: Correct. Okay. Um, they also claimed that she had dressed all in black on the date of the funeral, stating to then when they asked her why she didn't said she didn't remember what she did that night. Posey later relayed this information at the hearing, adding that Stockley had informed him months later that she and her boyfriend could not marry until we go out and kill more people.
1: stockley lady sounds a little fucked up.
0: <laughs> she was located and questioned, but her answers were vague and self like were very contradictory um regarding her whereabouts on february 17th she recalled being in the company of her boyfriend greg mitchell on the night of february 16th and going out for a ride in a car in the early hours of the following day driving aimlessly claimed to have been so far out on mescaline that she could not say for sure whether or not she had been into any house or not all right but other witnesses did claim that Stockley had admitted involvement in the murders with several also remembering her wearing clothing similar to what was described by McDonald on the date in question however she was never subpoenaed to testify
1: which is a little weird
0: mhm McDonald testified for 3 days in mid-August sections of his testimony contradicted what he had informed investigators in April including his claim on this occasion to have actually moved Colette's body, having found her a little bit propped up against a chair before he just sort of laid her flat on the floor. He also stated that possibly because of his surgical background, he had sort of rinsed his hands as he checked his own injuries in the bathroom before calling for help, reinforcing the type B flood Blood found in the kitchen. McDonald testified that he may have also washed his hands in the kitchen sink for some reason prior to making a phone call to emergency services.
1: So, okay, I don't want to like say you should act a certain way in a situation like this, but I find it strange that he took the time to go check out his injuries, wash his hands, and then call emergency services when he s- clearly said that his. Daughters and wife had been like viciously attacked.
0: I mean, it's weird, but at the same time, you don't ever know how people react when they're that's talking. what I'm saying. Like, I'm like, I don't want so to say it's
1: tonic and not even
0: known what he was doing.
1: Right? It may you have know? like totally fractured into a different like state of mind to be able to handle the situation. <clears throat> and I totally get that, but I still feel like it's weird that it wasn't like instant. Okay, I need to call nine one one or I need to call.
0: Don't get me wrong. I think he fucking someone. did it. Yeah, but there's a reason that this is the most heavily
1: litigated case. Right. There's, there's all these different, like, yeah, okay. I guess that could be it. And that is just reasonable doubt. And that's legitimately what you need to find in Mm -hmm. a court case. So I'm like, so
0: contrary to medical reports and his earlier accounts he also claimed to have located two small bumps on the back of his head and two or three puncture wounds in his upper left chest other wounds to his right bicep and approximately 10 ice pick wounds to his abdomen but all of which had healed without treatment and none of which required surgery but none of that were in any of the medical reports of doctors that had examined him after the trial or after being found and when he was in the hospital for 9 days interesting um, they questioned him in regards to his infidelity, and McDonald admitted that he had been unfaithful on two occasions, but insisted Colette had not known about either affair. He also claimed that their time at Fort Bragg had been the most content of their married life. The woman always knows.
1: But yeah, it's, <laughs> even if she doesn't tell you she knows or approach you about it, she fucking knows. Right.
0: So on October 13, 1970, Colonel Rock issued a report recommending that all charges be dismissed against McDonald as insufficient evidence existed to prove his guilt, adding his, behalf, his belief no truth existed in the charges and that the nature of the murders led him to believe the perpetrators were insane or under influence of drugs. Uh, Colonel Rock also recommended that civilian authorities further investigate Stockley. Yeah. Later the same month, all charges were formally dismissed, Although a new investigation tasked with finding the murderers was assembled in February of 1971 with McDonald still considered a suspect. So it wasn't that he was proven not guilty. He was just, it was basically like they just said he doesn't, they dismiss the charges.
1: Well, there wasn't so, enough evidence to arrest him and try to do anything with it. Otherwise, they have double jeopardy that they'd have to deal with. So right. they need to and gather more. Right, and that comes up
0: is that later on when they try him again, he's like double jeopardy. And it's like, no, dude, that's not how this works. It wasn't double jeopardy. They didn't, they didn't quit you. They yeah. just said, there's not enough evidence in this hearing. I'm dismissing the charges, which yeah. means they can go back. They can do that 9,000 times.
1: Which is another thing that I think some people don't think about when they Mm -hmm. uh, get so frustrated about like things taking so long and whatever. It's like, you do realize like they have to be ready. Like they have to know that they can get an like eviction or whatever you want to call it, because they need to like solid, they need a solid case before they can go. Otherwise they're just fucked and then they're just free. So. Okay.
0: I'm sorry. This is where I'm like, this motherfucker did it because he just within days of the dismissal mcdonald began granting press interviews and media appearances most notably on december 15th he was on an episode of the dick cabot show in the entire interview he was flippant complained about army investigation and their focus on him as a suspect he also claimed to have sustained 23 wounds some of which were potentially fatal
1: that's some chris watts shit right there I'm just going to go on and pout about how bad I'm being treated. Mm -hmm. Also, I just want them to come home. Fucking guy.
0: In December, McDonald received an honorable discharge from the Army and initially returned to New York City, where he briefly, briefly worked as a doctor before relocating to Long Beach, California, in an effort to put the past behind him and distanced himself from the constant reminders of his wife and daughters.
1: I felt the quotation marks around that.
0: <laughs> Put he the obtained, past behind him. <laughs> hey, Hakuna get the fuck out of here. He <laughs> obtained employment as an emergency room physician at St. Mary's Medical Center. He frequently worked long hours. He became an instructor at the UCLA Medical School, a medical director of the Long Beach Grand Prix, a lecturer on the subject of recognition and treatment of child abuse, and a participant in the development of the National Cardiopulmonary Resuscitation Training Program.
1: That's it. I'm going to punch him.
0: He lived in a $350,000 Huntington Beach condo apartment, basically living as a fuckboy, prior to forming a long-term relationship with a 22-year-old airline stewardess named Candy Kramer in the late 1970s.
1: Okay, hey, Candy, I'm sure you're like a decent human who has nothing to do with anything, but your name's fucking Candy.
0: <laughs> sound like I, a stripper. You,
1: you barely ever hear that name, ever. Uh-huh. But it's a name. I mean... Yeah, I know.
0: So, in the years following the dismissal of the Myrtle chart... Myrtle? Myrtle?
1: Myrtle! and Myrtle.
0: Murder charges. McDonald received an abundance of emotional and public... I can't fucking talk. Public support... He also wrote letters to several magazines and newspapers detailing his willingness to further publicize the background and legalities of his case. His stepfather in law, Alfred Kassab, had initially believed in his stepson in law's innocence. Both he and Colette's mother, Mildred, had testified in support of McDonald during the Army's Article 32 hearing. They informed the press that my wife and I feel very strongly about Captain McDonald's innocence. Uh, <clears throat> however, in an apparent effort, to like learn more and like probably understand in the grief process what happened kassab had repeatedly asked mcdonald to provide him with the copy of the 2000 page transcript of the article 32 hearing and he kept coming up with excuses on why he couldn't give it to them okay in an apparent effort to discourage his efforts um mcdonald told his stepfather-in-law that he and some army colleagues had actually tracked down tortured and eventually murdered one of the four alleged murderers okay you're a fucking doctor not a navy seal get the fuck out of here
1: also you're way too fucking busy for that it sounds like these days
0: so his kasab's suspicion increased following mcdonald's casual and dismissive demeanor on the cavett show Just days after he himself had hand-delivered 500 copies of an 11-page letter to members of Congress requesting a congressionally mandated reinvestigation of the murders, he and his wife publicly turned against McDonald. So, like, they were like, this motherfucker murdered our daughter, and they're going after him. Good. He successfully obtained a copy of the Article 32 transcript, he repeatedly studied the document, realizing McDonald's claims were inconsistent with the physical facts and concluding his account was nothing more than a tissue of lies that repeatedly contradicted the known facts of the case. So on April 30th of 1974, they pursued the litigation against McDonald and uh, brought the pla- a complaint against McDonald to the U.S. Chief District Court Judge Algernon Butler
1: that's a name
0: that's a fucking name <laughs> <laughs> requesting the convening of a grand jury to indict mcdonald for the murders get him. get him. on august 12th 74 a grand jury convened uh in raleigh north carolina to hear the legal proceedings 75 witnesses were called to testify uh on january 24th 1975 the grand jury formally indicted mcdonald on three counts of murder within the hour he was arrested in california and was freed with a hundred thousand dollar bail on may 23rd um, he was arraigned on may 23rd and pled not guilty to the murders Uh, he then was brought to trial on july 16th of 1979 so this is his second trial he was charged with three counts of murder and tried in Raleigh, North Carolina, before Judge Dupree and pled not guilty to the charges again. On August 28th, both counsels delivered their closing arguments before the jury. Shortly after 4 p.m. on August 29th, the jury had deliberated for six and a half hours and announced that they'd reached their verdict. McDonald was convicted on one count of first-degree murder in the death of Kristen and two counts of second-degree murder in the deaths of Colette and Kimberly. Four jurors wept as they announced their verdicts and McDonald's mother rushed out of the courtroom, McDonald himself showed absolutely no emotion.
1: Of course he didn't.
0: He was imposed with a life sentence for each of the murders to be served consecutively. Bail was revoked, and McDonald was temporarily transferred to Butler County Jail prior to federal the Federal Correctional Institution in Terminal Island, California. However, he appealed Dupree's bail revoke uh, revocation ruling requesting that bail be granted pending the outcome of his appeal this application was rejected on September 7th a further appeal to be freed on bail was rejected by the 4th circuit court on November 20th however on J- July 29th 1980 uh the 4th circuit court appeals reversed the mcdonalds conviction and he was freed then brought back it then they brought it back he was convicted again He was appealed again, and this keeps happening until 2018.
1: So for 30 fucking years?
0: Yes. He's still in jail. Um, He was released at one point, um, like, shortly after the initial release when the first appeal was, or the second, the first appeal was, like, it was overturned. I don't know, it was after one of his 800,000 fucking appeals that he was allowed. Um, it was around like the mid 1980s ish. Um, he hired a FBI special agent and private investigator to assist him in overturning his conviction. The PI contacted Helena Stockley, who allegedly confessed that she and five members of what she described as a drug cult had developed a deep grudge against McDonald as he had refused to treat heroin and opium addicted patients. As such, she and other members of this group had plotted revenge against McDonald. Specifically intending to murder his family but leave him alive. However, Stockley had been treated for years by this point in a psychiatric care facility. And by this time, almost all of the court cases, because of how heavily litigated it had been, all of the details in the trial were public. So at this point, most of this information was common knowledge. Nothing was ever, and nothing was ever reviewed or done with her alleged confession so just I just what the fuck yeah um so basically yeah that's where I had to sum it up because it was literally like then they went back to court so that that little like thing where I was reading dates and court dates it went on for like four pages because it was like this is an appeal then it was convicted then it was overturned then he went for double jeopardy. That was rejected. He went back to jail. Then he was allowed to go out. Then it was convicted. Like, it was back and forth, back and forth. But now he's he's been in jail for quite some time. So that's all I fucking care about.
1: <laughs> right. Well, and at this point, by... Okay, so if he would have just, like taking the l right right in the beginning mm-hmm. he would have be like damn near to a point where he could appeal and get out legitimately by the time they actually finished doing this back and forth back and forth back and well, forth he
0: already became eligible for parole on march 27th 1991 but he did not par- apply for parole at this date um he is currently where was it oh he's currently serving his life sentence at a federal prison in cumberland maryland and continues to maintain his innocence his lawyers have repeatedly used the freedom of information act to locate any evidence not presented by either counsel at his 1979 trial and they have cited suppression of evidence and justification for a retrial multiple times but all efforts have proved unsuccessful as successive courts have ruled that those uncovered and stipulated items do not establish any proof of innocence and thus would not have any influence over the verdict of a jury okay he claims that an unidentified fingerprint and fiber evidence uncovered in his home has never been matched to any individual known to have been in the premises prior to or after the murders and that these prints are evidence um of his claim of home intruders Okay. Uh, several individuals believe McDonald's claims of his innocence, and he remains determined to clear his name. In 2017, he informed a reporter, "If it takes me saying I killed my family to the parole commission to get out of here and go home, then I'm never going home." After exhausting all of his appeals, he applied for com- compassionate release in November of 2020 on the grounds that he could suffer severe illness or death as a result of contradicting COVID-19 or contracting. COVID-19
1: okay I'm sorry
0: (laughs) earlier that same year he had waived his right to two parole hearings according to court papers hold on I just want to get through this I have like this little paragraph and then I have one more other thing and then we can go off uh Dr. McGonagall Dr. (laughs) (laughs) McGonagall's
2: I can't fucking
0: talk Dr. Mc this is the statement from his attorney Dr. McDonald's underlying medical case conditions constitute extraordinary and compelling reason for a prison reduction wrote uh his lawyer requested on january 11th mcdonald tested positive for the virus without experiencing any symptoms and called the results a false positive on march 3rd he refused the moderna vaccine although he suffers from chronic kidney disease high blood pressure and a history of skin cancer uh one of the what the pro The prosecutor said was, to the extent that any risk remains, he has voluntarily assumed it by rejecting the risk-mitigating measures offered to him. He cannot reasonably expect that prolonging his risks by declining vaccination will be rewarded with a sentence reduction.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say, like, that seems like something you're choosing, not...
0: (laughs) The horrific nature of the crime also does not support release, uh, wrote another prosecutor. Um... To release him would undermine the seriousness of his crimes. That That is in especially true when the victims were innocent children, his own children, and he has never resp- accepted responsibility or shown any remorse for his actions.
1: And that's why he didn't want to go to the parole hearings because he would not have gotten out because he did not accept responsibility for his actions. So. Right. Speech. So
0: Colette, Kimberly, and Kristen McDonald were laid to rest side by side in Washington Memorial Park in Suffolk County, Long Island on February 23rd, 1970. Each grave was initially inscribed with the surname of their husband and father, although the gravestones were later inscribed with Colette's maiden names of Stevenson. Uh, her stepfather, who continued to show up at every court case, every appeal, um when he knew he was dying because their mother her mother died of terminal cancer and then when he knew he was dying he recorded a statement for the attorneys um to play at all of his future parole hearings so that they would have his request that
1: he never get out his impact statement and yes whatever that's
2: wow I
1: i got real into that um that's my story. I kind of want to kick him in the throat. Like <laughs> for, I just, I'm so annoyed by him. And he's he, clearly, clearly he's like narcissistic asshole. Like, oh just,
0: yeah. I think everything's about did it, him, but there's well, just yeah. some, there's some I weird things.
1: Yeah. Meadows okay. is running out of my face. Nice. I have to pee perfect we will take a moment we're um, gonna take I'll, a break i'll meet you back here in a couple minutes okay bye okay bye i was cold <laughs> well um i'm kind of cold too but it's fine my nipples can just like burst through my shirt i'll be all right that's gross well it is what
0: it is <laughs> my my sports bra was so thick, th- thrick I'm I, what is wrong? Am I having a stroke? <laughs> <laughs> my sports bra was so thick that I feel like it hurts my nipples cuz it's not it's they're trying to poke through and they just can't.
1: <laughs> like pushing them in. <laughs> <laughs> um so funny story. The I started listening to the JFK conspiracy like series from last podcast again. I was like, "Ooh, I want to re-listen to that." And then I had this flashback light bulb moment you know how i said in sixth grade i did my powerpoint on jack the ripper and it was not received well that was not my first true crime questionable true crime uh, project i did at school i remembered in miss matthias's class i reenacted the assassination of jfk (laughs) as jackie onassis um (laughs) so who who got shot in the head well, obviously Kennedy, but I was being Jackie because it was reenacting no a fucking shit
0: Kennedy. I meant who was being <laughs> who
1: got N- it- to play? Um, nobody because it was a one person. Like each of us did like a reenactment <laughs> of a turning point moment in history. Oh, I did Amelia Earhart. Yeah, I did the assassination of JFK as a fifth <laughs> grader. Um, I had a flashback of making that like box hat the pink one. Did you cover
0: yourself in blood?
1: No, but I did scream and wave because that's what she did. And then the secret service agent had to like tackle her down so that they could take off without her falling out of the back and getting run over by the car behind her. (laughs) And I just have to say, Matthias didn't deduct points from me because she didn't think that it was an that she thought it was inappropriate she thought it was good that i was interested in history so i liked miss matthias me too. some people didn't i liked how she did she's the reason that i got into history i like how because, she didn't take
0: no shit
1: yeah well that and it was like she she would tell things like they were a story not like reading out of a book yeah so i really i don't know i just really enjoyed her class and a lot of people were not big fans and i'm like i don't understand why i, I would hated much rather skunk, have her as a teacher i hated old skunk hair mm-hmm. she was a real bitch yeah agreed all right, all right but well, that was my random like thing that i realized this week and i forgot to tell you when we were talking about what we did this week
0: <laughs> um I finally listened. I forgot that I, I'm going to turn this way because it's more comfortable. Um, so you can just talk to my back. <laughs> what's I, up, shoulder? <laughs> what's up, shoulder? I, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, I finally listened to the Rock Thoreau and the Ant Hill Kids. Cause it I had fucked start, up. I had started the first episode before I had surgery, and then I would just like, forgot about it. And then I listened to their, like, the ones after that. And then I was like, wait a minute. So I listened to that this week and I was like what the what the fuck am I what the fuck sorry. what the fuck Canada What the what the fuck Canada
1: Okay sorry um, Okay No it's it's so true and that's another thing that I was always like I always heard about the like my mom would talk about randomly like the aunt hill kids would like just say something and I'm like I don't fucking know what that means like I don't and I never could find any information on <laughs> Susan. it because I was confused and then once they did it i was like holy shit so i feel like i come by it very naturally susan susan and i don't even think she realizes that she'd said it but she had said it and it was it was something that poked into my mind and stayed right there see the history buff in
0: me comes naturally because my dad just like knows shit but like the true crime stuff, neither of my parents, they always say my murder shows or my murder talks. And I'm like, yeah, that's not, it's not just murder. It's,
1: it's crime in general. Well, and my mom always used to watch, like my mom and dad would watch like America's most wanted. Um, and I remember sleeping on the couch at my grandma's house. Uh, and she was watching CSI when I was like in third grade and I was trying to go to sleep and, I remember that, and that was a like tr- a moment in my history that made me go
0: legit. When I
1: I was sick all the time when I was a kid,
0: and when I would, it was fucking Price is Right, and then Unsolved Mysteries, and then like true crime shows, and it was just like, why am I watching this at home alone when I'm ten? This is mm-hmm. not.
1: <laughs> yep. First
0: no, of that, all, that's- you wouldn't even be allowed to be home alone when you're ten now, which
2: is dumb.
1: Right and Yeah. Now-
0: I agree. <laughs> I, dude, ten-year-old me loved hanging out at the house, taking nappies on the couch,
1: and watching Unsolved Mysteries. Right, and my thought is, is, uh, if you can make yourself ramen, you can stay home mm-hmm. by yourself. If like, you can deep...
0: successfully like not burn yourself down, you're fine.
1: Right. Well, and there's special cases where there's mm-hmm. some kids that are not as mature as others, but like, generally. I feel like like 10-11 is plenty
0: Barring like him choking or something Honestly I think Alex could like Watch Lucas for a couple hours Right Like obviously my sister would never leave them unattended Right I feel honestly I think Alex could watch Lucas And keep him entertained and alive Oh I'm sure Barring him eating something and choking Or knocking her out by throwing a truck at her head Right
1: real real issues real issues <laughs> all right i suppose but we should let's tell your be. story this is a, a long ass long episode book. it's already been over. all right so um everybody's waiting to start breakfast until i'm done so we need to like do it <laughs>
0: my dad's your family's so nice my dad's like i'm starting breakfast at this time if you're not done you don't get any and i was like
1: okay. well we got four people stomping around because Emmett and the girls are here so all right
0: well then tell your story jesus mary and joseph
1: <laughs> um miss shaking her microphone for a minute and a half heaven forbid i say a sentence you still haven't started your story <laughs> you're correct <laughs> and you're still gonna bring it up every time <laughs> it's because i'm making a point isn't it <laughs> You've yet
0: to start your story
1: <laughs> god you're annoying all right so i'm gonna tell you the story of melissa platt this is very much not like a funny story so i am so sorry it's, it's very
0: downer episode for 100
1: yes well this is a a big this is a big relatively um recent and yeah anyway so we'll just get into it uh she was born february 3rd of 1977 in houston texas to uh I want to say McHale, but I'm pretty sure it's Michael. Okay. But Michael and Marion Mims, okay? She, she had two sisters and a brother, um, Michelle, Maria, and Michael. And then Melissa. It's a very M.M. name
2: mm-hmm.
1: type of family. Anyway, uh, her family moved to Jacksonville, North Carolina when she was there. Um, and then she moved back to Texas. So they moved... And then moved back to Texas when she was 12. So she okay. wasn't there for very long, but that's where, as far as I could tell, some of their extended family lived, um, in North Carolina. Uh, Melissa got a job at McDonald's when she was 15, helping with birthday parties and she freaking loved it. Like she would set up the birthday parties for all the kids. Cause she was very much, she was one of those people that was like, I just want to be a mom when I grow up and, you know, take care of kids. Um, at 16, she moved in with her sister Maria and her kids in Jacksonville because she wanted to go back and um would take care of her kids as her like way of paying for living there. So she would do childcare for her. Uh Melissa had two kids of her own, a daughter in ni- October of 1995 and another daughter in July of 2003. Okay. Uh, She was married to a man from 2001 to 2005, and near the end of the marriage, Melissa started having some real issues, we'll say. Um, She was convicted of writing fraudulent checks and got put on probation. Her daughters were in the care of other family members, and she reportedly started having issues with drinking. So it seems that she just got into some like petty crime type stuff and became a bit of an alcoholic, okay um I don't know if it was like the marriage just kinda threw her off or what, but in two thousand and six, Melissa met a man named Joey Tendall, okay uh they met at the auto parts shop that Melissa was working at at the time and As far as I can tell, Joey worked for a trucking company. So he would be gone a couple days at a time, you know. Uh, Not long into the relationship, they moved in together into a single wide mobile home um, in Pink Hill, North Carolina, which is like a rural farming town. There's not many people. Everything's pretty spread out. They lived on like, it seems like they lived in a property that wasn't like just a mobile home like park you know yeah okay um and it kind of seemed like they bonded over drinking like they were both alcoholics
0: That's never never a good thing to bond on
1: to build yeah. a relationship on we're really good at drinking booze well so joey was known to have a problem with drinking for a long time like he had a history of issues with it um, And he was also known to mix his alcohol with like Paxil and become violent. So he was on meds too. Hey, don't do that. Yeah, let's not. Let's not. So slowly Melissa began drinking hard liquor rather than beer because she used to just have a few beers and be mm-hmm. dumb and that was it, you know. Um, Pretty soon she was drinking straight from the bottle with Joey um, because he would pressure her to do that because it's, you know, cheaper and you get more bang for your buck type of deal. Um, She realized how bad it was getting and she would tell her family that she wanted to get help. Uh, So she checked herself into the Onslow County Behavioral Health Clinic where she was only there for a few days because Joey basically said that she was going to get kicked out if she stayed there like he was going to kick her out what an asshole yeah he's not he's not great like oh, the whole story is about this
0: he's a villain in the story okay Correct. cool um fucking joey's man i'm telling you suspicious as fuck okay uh <laughs> the
1: I, first didn't
0: joey- fa- I didn't know you felt so strong about joey okay
1: <laughs> first person i thought of that was named Joey was Joey Tribbiani and i was like i mean
0: no i love him but i know another Joey Joe who's a yeah real fucking dick
1: um so uh, So this wasn't even just like a verbal threat. There had been times that she would, he would tell her like, I'm going to kick you out, whatever, and legitimately like push her out of the door and then lock the door and she's not wearing shoes, has no place to sleep. First size of an abusive relationship. Yep. They're in a rural area. Sometimes she would sleep on the small porch that's in the front of their single wide, or she would climb into the car if it happened to be unlocked and sleep there. He's a narcissistic asshole it's yeah it's not good so um her family was was in texas her main family and she was far away from her sister who lived in north carolina um and we all know how manipulation goes Mm -hmm. um basically he made her feel like there was nobody that could help her so she just took it in a way Mm -hmm. it wasn't like she didn't look at it as a problem she just looked at it as a fight um unfortunately so after checking out of the clinic because joey made her um joey picked melissa up and they went straight to the liquor store and then went home um this relationship was very on and off too she would pull away even moving to texas at one point um and then he would talk her back into it that like cycle vicious cycle of Mm -hmm. manipulation Um, Then on Wednesday, October 8th, 2008, Melissa's mother called Melissa's parole officer, John Murray, and had concerns that she hadn't heard from her in like a week, which Melissa, as much as he tried to push her away from her family, she still talked to them like every other day, like somebody Mm -hmm. in her family. Um,
0: so that's a bad sign.
1: Yeah, no. And it's weird. So she was super worried because she had had such a volatile relationship anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, not only hadn't she called she, when she did regularly, um, her mother had called her cell phone and it would go to voicemail or there was a time that Joey actually picked it up and gave some reason that Melissa couldn't talk. And then after he had talked to her, uh, all of a sudden it just wouldn't even ring anymore. So,
2: uh,
1: one, at one point the voicemail was like full. And so that's when mom called the PO because she was like, I need to just, someone needs to go check when we're in Texas. I can't get there. Mm-hmm. Um, so Murray went to the mobile home right around like five seventeen that day. Uh, And no one came to the door when he knocked. So Marie had to make sure that he, since it was a called in check, he had to make sure that he had visual contact with Melissa. So he called in the police officers to come and coerce an opening. Right. Um, So. I'm sorry. I totally got ahead of myself here. My, My bad, my bad. So. Murray was sure that she oh he was sure that she should be home according to her schedule because he is the parole officer so like all of that stuff is monitored right so the last visit about a week before that again that week mark Mm -hmm. that he was there she wasn't in like the best shape health wise Um, she just had some like medical issues so then he was concerned that she had passed out maybe um Joey was on the road and mm-hmm. you know like something had happened so that's when he called them in thinking that she cuz she was super intoxicated and had health issues um when he breathalyzed her the last time she was at a point 0.23 and um anyway so he figured she probably continued drinking passed out something's going on right um so he calls the police the sheriffs come and they gain entry Because they called Joey, and he gave them permission to enter the property. He's like, yeah, sure, you know, kick it in if you need to. And he also said that lately, Melissa's drinking has been a bit out of control, and that he was having a hard time taking care of her, and had had even been in contact with her mother talking about rehab, so she would probably be passed out drunk when they went in. So this was his, like, this is what's going on.
2: I've been a lie. A hard,
1: right. I've been having a hard time controlling her over, like, she'll get drunk and do crazy things and whatever. Okay. I'm sorry. He's I'm a, getting to the, like, I'm getting anxious because I'm getting to the part that's. A fucking
0: liar who lies. You're a
2: fucking liar who lies. Uh,
1: he didn't seem super worried about it or as if there was any immediate attention that she needed. Um, more just Played like. Played it Cool yeah more just like oh yeah you know she's been kind of a handful lately and we've been kind of trying to figure out getting her help yeah right because he's the one who told her not to stay and help Mm -hmm. so with his okay they entered the door the back door and found melissa on a bed in the bedroom wrapped in a sheet um they announced their presence and asked if she needed help They said that there was slight movement of her foot, and so they looked, and it looked like she may have nodded. So the sheet was, like, wrapped around the top part of her body, Um, and it looked like she had nodded. so they called the emergency medical services, okay? Called in an ambulance. Um, While waiting for the arrival of the ambulance, they started assessing the situation a bit more. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and give, like, a warning. This is pretty um explicit it's very it's gross okay well gross. it's just hard
0: it's like like Sophie knew I needed comfort because she just came down here
1: and I'm gonna do my best not to like anxiously like speed read through things so that you can understand what I'm saying okay um so there was not a sheet on the bed like not a fitted sheet um what she was wrapped in was like a dust ruffle from the bed (laughs) So it wasn't even, like, the bedding. It was something that was just in a closet. Um, with, from the waist down, she was nude, and she only had a shirt on with her head pulled through and one arm pulled through. So her shirt wasn't even all the way on. Um, she was shaking violently, and so the officers and Murray tried to cover her as much as they could um, to warm her up. And that's when they noticed all of the bruises. <gasps> Um, they were like everywhere, like everywhere, all sorts of different stages of healing. Um, there were two, two, sorry, there were two containers on the nightstand, a can with a straw filled with liquor and a glass with a darker liquid in it. And the officer's statement said that he had asked if she was beaten and she said no and tried to somehow say that she had hit her head like this. Um, originally, that's what she was saying, but she she was like full concussed too. So mm-hmm. um, she spoke broken words and was barely a whisper. Uh, it's noted that she didn't open her eyes at all while the officer was in there talking to her and while they were waiting for the EMS to get there. Um, EMS and Joey both showed up about the same time weird considering Joey seemed to think that it wasn't like a big deal like Mm -hmm. there was no emergency happening. Um, EMS reports say that there was a strong quote a strong scent of cigarette smoke and bodily fluids when they walked into the back door. Mm -hmm. Um, EMS found that indeed Melissa was covered uh, along with all of the mattress with her own waste and blood Um, they also because the officer and murray didn't want to touch anything because if she's like concussed you're not supposed to move you Mm -hmm. know so they just kind of like assessed what they could see um anyway so they also said that melissa was wasn't really responsive they wouldn't have considered her responsive Mm -hmm. Um she only slightly opened her eyes at them when they would talk loudly at her, like they had to raise their voice for her to even like have any sort of Mm -hmm. physical response. Um, injury notes say from the EMS say bruising on the left side of her face was severe. Um, and she had a severe black eye with pooling of blood in like as if it busted a capillary too. Mm -hmm. Um and an extremely swollen jaw. Uh, they couldn't thoroughly check her mouth because of the swelling uh, of the jaw, but noted that there was lesions and damage to what they could see inside of the mouth. So it looked like her teeth had been chipped and she had like some like lip lesions, mm-hmm. that they, but they couldn't look all the way back because they couldn't open her mouth. Um, okay. There was fresh bruising on her left side of her neck, approximately two inches by five inches, looking like um, strangulation lacerations happening, um, or that she got whacked with something on the left side of her. It's just a straight line, basically. Mm-hmm. That's about two inches wide and five inches long. Um, there was old bruising on her upper arms and ribs, and all appendages were covered in bruises, ranging in different like a- dates of healing. Um the worst bruising was found on her lower abdomen and right next to her pelvic bone like it came from the inside. It was very deep. Um most of her toes had been broken and were in the process of healing. And the source of the blood was from her vagina. Um uh, most likely sexual assault because of the bruising that they found in the abdomen as well. Oh. I'm so I, I wrote sorry <laughs> at the end of that because I'm like it's just so much but it has to be said all of oh. the like all of the damage that had like happened she was to tortured yeah she was beaten and tortured over probably days mm-hmm. um it was clear that this wasn't something that just had happened over one day so they were suspicious and suspicious of joey like right away duh um they pulled him aside and they asked him what had happened and his answer was like it just pissed me off okay she falls uh she falls a lot and uh she drinks a lot and so then she falls all the time um she said like he basically had said that She had been in and out of consciousness for the past week. And in the last two days, she basically started just staying in bed. So yet we didn't call emergency services, even if something had happened. You know what I mean? I'm just, my chest is all like, yeah, tight. Um, So he was, he had a few different stories to explain the different injuries. Um, one is that at some point during the week she had gone to the bathroom and because of her drunken state, somehow she had missed the toilet, um, and was going to clean up her mess. Like she had peed or whatever off of the toilet. She went to go clean up her mess and she ended up like, falling face first into like the cre the area between the toilet and the bathtub and mm-hmm. then got wedged in there so like his thought is that a lot some of the bruising came from her trying to get herself out but she couldn't because she was as drunk as she was um and that that's what the face lesions came from because she like face first planted mm-hmm. into the into the floor um this is what he says at least and Anyway, so she fell between there, got wedged in. And another one of his stories was that uh, sometimes when he was sleeping, she would get drunk and try to take the car out. And uh, he thinks that she had crashed it, injuring herself further because there was damage done to the car, but it wasn't like totaling the car. But they think that he said he thinks that she may have, like, hit her face or head or whatever on the steering wheel because, of, yeah. No, and I you know. still
0: haven't called the police yet or the emergency yeah. services? And how are all her toes broken? Tell me that, bro.
1: Um, She falls a lot, Christina. Did she stub all of her toes? All of them? Yeah. All ten, huh? And the, here's the thing. He didn't even have, like, a day that these happened. Like, he couldn't say, well, on Tuesday. It's because he just made shit her. up because
0: he's a fucking douchebag.
1: No. Oh, I know. I know. So that was noted by the police because they would ask him, they'd be like, so what day did that happen? Well, I'm not totally sure. And it's like, you don't remember when your girlfriend, you found your girlfriend wedged between the toilet and the bathtub with her teeth broken out.
0: You don't remember when she crashed your car?
1: Yeah. So Melissa was rushed to the nearest hospital and Joey declined to come with, imagine that, um, saying that he just wanted to get calls with updates fucking a she has no family in state by the way and this is like her one person well but she's like in a different like in a different town they have Mm -hmm. to contact and she can't talk so he'd have to tell them to contact her or anybody else well the
0: and the parole officer
1: yeah so it's just but yes i'm just so like annoyed um once she got there, the staff realized the severity of her injuries, and they had to airlift her to a different hospital in Greenville, North Carolina, because they didn't have the appropriate stuff to take care of her.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so after arriving there, the hospitals, the hospital staff called the officers involved and basically said, "It's like very serious." very serious. be be aware." And Lieutenant Powell, one of the responders that came in with them originally um, sent officer Whitley to go take pictures of her external injuries for further investigation because Mm -hmm. the hospital basically called and said, yeah, this wasn't just an accident. So we need to treat this as, as a criminal act, which Mm -hmm. they kind of did. They took pictures of like the scene and stuff, but they wanted to get her help as soon as possible. So they sent her out. Um, anyway, so this officer goes to take pictures of the injuries that you can see. Uh, the hospital staff told him that her external injuries were severe, but her internal injuries were worse. They also believe that she, it was a case of prolonged and long-term domestic violence. Uh, Whitley said that when he went to photograph her injuries, um, there were so many more than he originally noticed at the scene. Cause it was Whitley and Powell who were the officers that went in with uh, Marie After this, after this, the case was taken on by two new detectives, Brayden and Harris, because they officially went into investigation mode, not just street street Mm -hmm. cop mode. Um, Melissa was given a CT scan showing that she had um, an intracranial hemorrhage, causing caused most likely by physical trauma, so a blunt force Mm -hmm. whack to the head. She also had. (laughs) <laughs> a electroencephalogram Electro,
0: electroencephalogram
1: there we go yes I, I would have to look at it for way too long to try to say that correctly so I'm glad you knew <laughs> that showed that she had bio bi-hemispheric dysfunction um that so that her she got
0: like shaken baby syndrome basically
1: yeah basically it pulled her two parts of her brain apart. So the membrane was now broken between the two of them. Um, and her jaw was broken in two places. It was basically broken off of the hinges of the jaw. Yeah. (laughs) I'm laughing because I'm so uncomfortable. Don't do it. Stop. No one can hear it. Stop. (laughs) I just get to look at you doing it. (laughs) Um, since Melissa, this is not a visual platform, I'm unhinging my jaw and popping it back She's popping in. it back and forth, and it's gross, <laughs> and she knows I hate it, so she just does it.
0: I can unhinge my jaw like a snake.
1: Which, it, I feel it's inappropriate when I just said her jaw was broken off of the hinges.
0: It, like, immediately makes me want to do it, I don't know why.
1: It makes me do this. That too. Ow, ouch, ouch, Um, So, Melissa started showing signs of respiratory failure. Which is expected with like shock and everything that's happening, um, most likely caused by the brain trauma and tachycardia. Is that how you yeah. say it? Tachycardia setting in. Um, she went. She went into the emergency room doing to do a frontal cranial. Basically, they needed to relieve the pressure, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like drill a hole and put a like maple tree sieve in your brain and when they did when they did the scan for that they found that she had an old brain bleed too so one that had Uh yeah one that had not healed but
0: um related.
1: it was older than the the injuries that had been there yes uh which is one of the reasons why they were like this is a Mm long-term issue uh, they also discovered that she had been shot at some point, um, which there are hospital records for her going in, but she says that she accidentally shot herself. And according to experts and the trajectory, that's not a thing. She didn't shoot herself, but that was her excuse for going oh in. Oh my
2: God.
1: But she still had like fraction fractal pieces of the bullet. So at this point the two new detectives went in to interview joey because they hadn't Mm -hmm. talked to him yet um and get a good look at the mobile home for themselves they also specifically wanted him to show them where he claimed that melissa had hurt herself like where she got stuck what happened Mm -hmm. exactly in these stories that you're trying to tell first joey talked about the car story super general he said uh no times, again, no specific things. He also said that he believed that she had taken the car while she was intoxicated. So he didn't know that she had taken the car. Right. Um, He also said that on the 29th, when she started staying in bed, according to him and not getting out, something had happened that he hadn't mentioned before. Early that morning, he had reached over for melissa when they were in bed and she wasn't there which was weird because he would always wake up and she would be either there or sometimes she would like fall off the bed or pass Mm -hmm. out on the floor he said um so when he that happened he just looked over to see if she had gone on like fallen asleep on the floor or gone fallen asleep in the couch or whatever um but Usually, she'd make a lot of movement and noise when she was doing her like get mm-hmm. up and do something thing, so he'd wake up, so the fact that he woke up and she wasn't there, he thought that was weird. um he also said that he had found her um on the front like on the floor uh when he would wake up and most likely hit her head that's my guess, like whatever, and he also told like stories about how she tripped on the concrete slab that they had out front of the um of their mobile home um that she would trip and she had like hit herself ran into whatever his big thing is like she kind of just runs into things and falls over a lot because she's always super drunk right that's just his his go-to excuse which it seems she is drunk pretty often but the injuries that were sustained would not be just from her falling down places right and the fact that he encouraged her drinking and almost forced it on her and didn't call anybody when there were severe inju- injuries right. happening. Um, either way, on the 29th, he said that he got up and noticed that she wasn't there, um, walked around the house to try to find her, stepped out uh, the front door, flipped on the outside light, and there she was in the driver's seat of the car. So this is what he says happens happened that day that she ended up staying in bed, is that she was he found her in the driver's seat of the car, which... According to Melissa, there were times that he would get mad and kick her out of the house. And so she'd just sleep in the car. Mm -hmm. So I don't find that that weird, but whatever. Well, and
0: also before he said he couldn't tell when he found her, when the car got damaged or when the accident. And now he knows for sure it was the night that she started sleeping in bed.
1: Yeah. No, that's, and that's where it's like, okay, so you had like a day to put your thoughts together and now you're going to make up a story. You're making that up. Yeah. So she was sitting in the uh, driver's seat with her legs stretched out onto the passenger seat. So she was like leaning against the door, Um, according to him. He said that she was heavily intoxicated and fully naked. And the side of her face was now red as if it had been hit by something, which made him think that she took the car out and either like hit the brakes and slammed her face or what. Um, He figured that she had just went out drunk and either hit her car face on the car, tripped on the cement slab because she had done that a bunch of times and hit her face on that. Um, either way, because there's also like a doghouse and a metal pole outside near the cement slab. So he's like, I could see her just slamming her head on something when she trips over it. Um, but this was on a Monday. So just for timeline's sake. Um, so the following Friday, the 3rd, um, this is when the bathroom incident, according to him happened, but he couldn't um, tell
0: last time. Okay.
1: I know. Oh, I know. Fucking a, I don't know if, but then at the same time, it's like, did he look into his brain to figure out when it happened exactly? So he could tell them exact times since he didn't like note it before. And he's like off the top of my head. I couldn't tell you exactly what day, you know what I mean? No,
0: he's making shit up.
1: Oh no, I agree. But also I have to play both sides of the thing because that's just how court proceedings and stuff work. Um so anyway, so he said that's when the bathroom incident happened. Uh the following Wednesday is when she was found. So we had a Friday incident, a Monday incident and then she was found on Wednesday. Um so that Friday when the bathroom thing happened, he said he came home, the bathroom door was shut, but there was water. So he opened up the door and the bathtub had been running, so she must have gone to use the bathtub went to the bathroom whatever and it started overflowing um Melissa was laying between the toilet and the tub with her shoulders down so she most likely Mm -hmm. fell face first um and he said it looked like she had tried to get up but failed because there were things that were sitting on the back of the toilet that had been knocked off and were also sitting on the floor now like she had tried to like shimmy herself up and it shook them off Mm -hmm. um so he helped her up cleaned her off and put her to bed he said that that is the day that she most likely got the jaw injury is what he thought
0: and you still haven't called the you still haven't fucking taken her to the doctor
1: yep. um her, he said her lips seemed to be very messed up and her face was very red so didn't he, he didn't even like look into her mouth because her teeth are all chipped too listen i'm over this story <laughs> he he showed the detectives the towel that he used to help clean her up and he's like i washed it because it was days ago um and he showed them the plastic garbage can that had fallen on top of her so
0: something fell on her when she was trying to get out of that yeah. spot she got
1: stuck in. so i don't know but marion's mom or Melissa's mom, Marion, um, got a call from Joey that night saying that Melissa had had a big fall and that she had, he had put her to bed basically. And she's like, which was weird because he never just called me to tell me these things. So it's like, he was trying to make a big deal out of the fact that trying to cover a story. Yeah. Um, he didn't, and he didn't mention any of the major injuries. He just basically said she fell in the bathroom. Like I put her to bed, whatever. Um, so the timeline's a little weird here. Um, the PO said that he saw her a week before and noted that she was drunk with no injuries, which kind of goes against the story that Joey was telling because it was just, it just didn't work. Um, October 17th, Melissa had, had to have her second surgery on her brain. Um, they found that she was suffering from Necrosis, which basically her brain is dying.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, parts of it are just slowly not showing any more signs of life. Um, after this surgery, she was conscious for just a little bit of time, but was very confused and very out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I read somewhere that at this time when they questioned her, because they do go in and try to talk to her and she but I read somewhere just yesterday because I was like, I wonder if there's any updates since the last month that I've looked at this. Um that they she had said something about him dragging her outside and hitting her, but I didn't see that in any of my other stuff that I read, mm-hmm. so I don't know if it was just like somebody making that up or a misconstrued source of some sort. But just have to throw that out there. Anyway, early November Melissa developed a bacterial pneumonia and her health declined rapidly after that. Later in November, she they detected a uh, hydrocephalus you know pooling in the spine of spinal fluid Mm -hmm. um so she was up for another surgery to relieve that pressure um she started having seizures regularly it was found that melissa was not going to recover basically they got to a point where they're like this she's basically brain dead she's not Mm -hmm. going to be able to come out of a coma right now um And on December 17th, her family decided to take her off of life support because there was no activity in the brain.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, After nine weeks of fighting, Melissa was pronounced dead. Um, So authorities came for a follow-up interview at one point during the hospital stay, like I said, when she was actually kind of awake and conscious Mm -hmm. and talked to her. And she was all over the place, blaming things like uh, the car and, oh, I'm just very clumsy, which are things that abusers will implant in your brain. Like, Mm -hmm. I just can't. When this clearly wasn't working, they decided to come back because she was not with it. She wasn't understanding. Um, So they decided to come back when she was healed up a bit, but then she never did heal up. She declined not long after their interview and Mm -hmm. there was no getting anything from her again. Um during the autopsy they found that the head injury was in fact the cause of death. Um but because this was 9 weeks after whatever had occurred, the manner of death could not be found. So they couldn't figure out exactly what caused the trauma in the brain. Right. Because everything had kind of healed and then swollen and then they did surgeries and then whatever. Mm-hmm. Um whether it would be foul play or an incident of falling and hitting her head.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, all paperwork from everyone involved in the state said um, abuse and admitted after assault. Um, so basically they knew that it was abuse, but because they couldn't determine what caused her death, they don't know. They can't really go forward with any sort of crimes. Mm. Um, her family had been fighting for Joey to be charged, but it seemed like they were kind of getting pushed to the side for lack of better words. Like they weren't being taken seriously, unfortunately. Um, A couple of days into Melissa being in the hospital, her mother had gotten a weird phone call saying that Joey Tendall had a history of domestic violence and somehow always got away with it. Um, And this nameless person basically said um, to look into it and not back down Mm because so this was before melissa had died but she had gotten this phone call and holy shit they found like like a history okay christina obviously i mean there's obviously Mm -hmm. something going on so joey had been married two times before dating melissa kathy was his first wife who divorced him in 2001 after joey threatened her and her two kids at gunpoint And the kids also said that he would regularly abuse their mother. So the kids basically said he'd beat her on a regular basis. Um, Six months after this, Joey married a girl named Jamie. And six months into their relationship, Jamie filed and giving domestic abuse as the reasoning for filing for divorce. Okay. Um, Joey, she served for, like, a protection order, too. Um, Joey saying that saying that he had grabbed her by the hair, um, threw her against the washer and dryer, threatened her at gunpoint, and threw multiple things at her, then grabbing her again and throwing her up onto the dirt outside. Basically dragged her outside and threw her down onto the ground. Um, And she had to get, like, she had to go be seen for medical attention. And in order to... The order was to withhold contact for a week, and that's it. Ugh. That's it. Um, November 2003, the two were divorced. So officially that marriage was done. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't too long after that that he met Melissa, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that so sounds about right. Joey's sons were interviewed about the abuse and the what they had witnessed with their dad and any women in his life um they said that their mother Kathy didn't go to the hospital usually after receiving her abuse out of fear because she didn't want him to do something about it Mm -hmm. they also said that the cops were called out a few times but things when things got out of control they would stick up for her but they would never detain Joey or take him in at all um Basically, like the kids would be like, yeah, he did this. And then they'd be like, okay, they're there. And then just leave Joey at the house. Um, one big thing that was noted is that when the interviewers asked if people would ask about their mother's bruises, um, the kids said, yes, they would. And Joey, their dad, would just say that she was clumsy and would fall a lot. Just like, mm. yep, just like Melissa, he was saying Melissa would do this motherfucker uh right no uh they said that eventually she was she just started saying the same thing again like melissa did eventually she was just like yeah you know i'm just really clumsy Um, it's indoctrined into you like right well and the sons also said that joey would sexually abuse younger women um even family members Mm. they said that one of the last draws for their mother was They had a sleepover with one of their female friends and she woke up and Joey's hand was down her pants. (gasps) Um, So they basically fought their father off of this girl and Joey just kind of ran away. Um, They also heard multiple times that he was paying young women for sexual favors. And one of the sons woke up one night to a female cousin um, when she was sleeping and saw Joey leaving the room and their cousin was lying there with her underwear down and the blanket pulled up. Ew. Yeah. So the sons also said that Melissa and Joey's relationship seemed to be out of a convenience more than anything. Both didn't seem to really love each other. It was kind of like she needed a place to live. He wanted a companion to drink with. Um, and they also witnessed Joey mentally, physically abusing melissa but it was never to the extreme that they had seen with their mother Mm -hmm. the the physical abuse that they saw but they were also at this point like teenage boys so it's one of those things that like maybe he felt they could fight him off or defend her in some way so they didn't he just didn't get to that point when they were around Um, right Mm -hmm. when the sons asked about or when the sons asked about melissa when she was hospitalized after the they were she was found mm-hmm. um their dad had a couple different stories one was that she was drinking one day and came home and they, he found her lying on the cement slab or the concrete slab and put her into rehab so he was saying she was in rehab mm. um that was one of the stories they said that there was a couple different stories that were varying in like reasons why she wasn't home Uh, the family was trying to at least push for charges of negligence because he didn't call anybody when she was hurt. Um, since, and clearly she was not okay. Uh, what he told authorities is that he hadn't called 911 because he was, he was insistent that she was insistent that she didn't want to go to the hospital um when he said that he had he didn't call 911 because he thought that since they had been called so many other times they thought maybe they wouldn't take it seriously um authorities said that they couldn't charge him with negligence because he was giving her fluids and food apparently that's the only bar that set. that's disgusting yeah I'm just and I feel like I want to like sum stuff up but at the same time I feel like it's really important to like know these weird details that it's like what the fuck um joey said that the day before he had found he had given her meatloaf for dinner mind you she had two broken places in her jaw she she didn't eat shit so she didn't eat like that was bullshit um so i guess in north carolina there isn't a law saying that you are legally obligated to save someone's life the good samaritan law is not a thing there um or the good Samaritan law is a thing there, like you don't, which is basically in place saying that if you are not comfortable giving CPR, you don't have to give CPR and you won't have legal obligation to. That's where it came from, but it also applies for other things. Um, There really wasn't anything to charge him with um, outside of negligence, unless they had proven that he inflicted the injuries that caused her death. Mm-hmm. um which at this point it, he almost has to just admit it because it was so long that she was in the hospital it was hard to right figure out um while melissa was in the hospital unconscious at one point her family asked her if someone had done this to her and if it was joey and she got all terrified looking on her face but wouldn't answer this was a story from mm-hmm. her family um they told authorities this but it's considered hearsay because right. there was no cop there to hear it no and so it seems to be one of those cases that law enforcement law enforcement is kind of stuck. Like they can't, there's not much more they can do. Could they have done more right away in the beginning? Yes. And that would have helped. Um, but they can't go forward with anything because it won't stick. Um, I know, <laughs> what is what is this last thing I said? I know what I think. I know what I think. I know what I wish they would have done. But what do you think? What do you think is going on I just, here? It just floors me that they are living
0: together. They're she's found in that condition. He is aware of that condition and did nothing to fix it. And there's nothing that can be done about it. No. That's
1: no, and that's where that's fucked.
0: Like, even if he hadn't caused, like, even if all of those wounds were self inflicted, like the neglect thing, like the negligence thing, I mean, all of those wounds, she was clearly dying. Yep. But nothing.
1: But because she refused to, she didn't want him to call 911, according to him. That's bullshit.
0: She couldn't talk. Like,
1: okay. Oh, no, I agree. I agree, but
0: it's. Well, we're just, oh, okay, is all I have to say. (laughs) We're done
2: i'm like i totally
1: agree but i also have to understand that there are certain things in place to protect other people that may not have been in this situation it just sucks that it worked that way in this situation it's just disgusting and i feel like there's more that could have been done right away in order to um it's sad that it would have been better
0: if she had died
1: right away yeah so that they could do an autopsy and that's what sucks is that she what's was sad in and out of a that. coma for nine weeks and, and that's because of that
0: they can't determine and the treatment they had to give her they can't determine her cause of death which is murder mm-hmm. um and that's it's just so sad that it would have been better had she died because mm-hmm. then her killer would have been
1: Right. Well, and, and everything that I read, there was like justice for Melissa. They had like Facebook, Mm -hmm. Twitter pages. I could not find the Facebook page. So I don't know if it got taken down or if it's, it makes me wonder if they went active with the case again, because they can't put Mm -hmm. hearsay evidence out there on social media when it's active like that. So I don't know, which is why I felt I needed to like, look more stuff up, see if there was an But still, the closest article I could find was in January, which was basically just "and he hasn't been charged to this day." Was the end of it. So I'm like, okay, well, maybe there'll be some sort of something. We just have to wait until he beats another woman to death. Isn't that just just how like everything is set up? Which again, I understand because that's how you sometimes have to protect innocent people that didn't do anything, and people are just saying they're doing stuff. But at the same time, it's like. Why is it you can't get a protective order without actually being physically attacked? Why can't I say they keep contacting me and saying these things? Oh, well, they haven't actually physically done anything to encroach your space. Like, it's just empty threats at that point. And it's like, but they clearly are working towards that because it's slowly getting more and Mm -hmm. more vicious. So I don't know. I'm just... It's a rock and a hard place for me because I get why things are in place, but I also wish that there was a different way, like special circumstance type of things.
0: Right. Well, on that note, I hope you guys enjoyed this uplifting episode.
1: Yeah, 100 episodes. Bit what the fuck? (laughs) Giants are moving their furniture now
0: again. It's (laughs) it's, we. It's a full circle. Yep. We started with your computer crashing. Full circle giant's toilet flushed a couple of times sounds of the nielsen hole this house is happening yep it's just it's,
1: it's how changed. it changed it's how it should have been for our hundredth episode
0: <laughs> yeah perfectly <laughs> professional
1: <laughs> yes perfect <laughs> all right guys thanks for sticking with us for a hundred episodes
0: we appreciate the support and love mm-hmm. you guys are the best thanks Yay. for listening and uh You go ahead and uh, you spread that word. And spread yourselves. And you spread
2: yourself
1: all over. I just hate the like pause you do where you're really working your way up saying all. All. (laughs) Just all over like jelly on toast. Good one. (laughs) I'm ready for breakfast and I was like, mmm. No. Jelly, I'm ready Don't for always. breakfast too. Yummy! Hell yeah! All right, guys. Okay, hey, well, um, see you later.
2: Do the things. All right, get the stuff. Love you. Bye. Bye. Love